For those who don't know who I am, I am David Ivey, and I'm the student pastor here, which means I can hang out with our teenagers. And on July 6th, I celebrated my 10th year here on staff, and it's been awesome. And before I release our students, I need to say thank you to every student who's ever been a part of our group uh, for the willingness to say yes to Jesus in so many different ways. Um, thank you for every leader that we've ever had. If you've ever been a part of our leadership group, or if you currently are, uh, I just want to say in my bottom of my heart, thank you for allowing me to have the best job in the world. And thank you for making it so much fun. So students, you are released. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the words that we're going to read. Thank you for Paul uh, and, and his direction in life that he gives us with his writing. Uh, speak through your word as you always do. It's in your name, amen. So Alex started a new series last week called Alive. And, and he started the series off talking about how uh, no matter where you've been and what sins that you've dealt with and, and fall to, that, that God covers them. That you're good because of Jesus. And this uh, series called Alive is, is our look through the book of Ephesians. And this morning, we're going to continue to look through that book, and we're going to mainly focus on the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. And what we're going to see in Paul's writing is that he writes this reminder for us of the places we've been, the place we're at, and where we're going to go. And that when we embrace this calling of Jesus, that we can become fully alive. And so this first reminder starts off real quick in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And it says this, As for you, you were dead in your trans trespasses, your transgressions, and sin. And so for the first half sentence of chapter 2, Paul's basically saying, Remember, you guys have all sinned. Remember where you've been. And it paints a reminder of us, reminders for us, that we've all made bad choices. That that's a part of our journey. And that because of this, we are the walking dead. Not the show, which I hear is very good. Um, well, the later seasons, not so much. But early ones I heard are really good. Um, but that's what we are. And what's that mean for you? It's simple. We go through life. We go to work. We take care of our kids. Uh, we fight with our neighbor because their lawn is either too brown or too green or not high enough or not short enough or the dog keeps on leaving biscuits in your yard. Um, grass is a problem in my neighborhood. It's okay. I'm usually the problem. Uh, we enjoy midnight sneakouts to Taco Bell and then regret the next morning. But in general, we go through life. And before Jesus enters us, we are dead. And this era of being dead started way back in the beginning. The book of Genesis, it, it, the first two chapters to me are, are a beautiful song. Because what it is, it shows us the creation of us. And God, and, and, and how much love he had, and after everything he makes, it says, and it was good. 
And then he, 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 he makes man and woman and breathes life into them. It says, and they were good. And that's awesome. And then we get to chapter 3 and we just, not as much. We can't make it to Exodus. We can't make it out of Genesis. We can't even make it through the first third chapter, the third chapter of the Bible. And we're just walking dead. And that's what happens. Sin. Bad moral choice. And that's where we are. And then Paul kind of gives us more light into what happens in our sin. And in verse 3 he says this. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. So we're the walking dead. And what Paul says, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't make it sound nice and fluffy. No rose-colored glasses. This is what happens with us when it comes to our sin and bad moral choices as we start to identify with them. Our identity belongs in that. That we feel we can't get past it because it's our comfortable spot. It's this thing we always default back to. And what he says is that we got to be careful because when we're in the walking dead, we end up just wanting and desiring to live in that. And then he goes off to say, listen, and because of that, you deserve wrath. Now, I don't know about you. Wrath isn't very fluffy. Makes me feel good inside. But it's true. We deserve punishment. We deserve the death sentence. And everything that comes with our sin. And for some of us, this is a very uncomfortable topic. Because you didn't come to church this morning to hear about your sin. You, you wanted to feel good. You don't want to be reminded of, of the times you fail. But the truth is we got to wrestle with this. Because we all have those things in our lives that we struggle with. The things that continue to keep us in this walking dead mode. Is that you this morning? You know the place where you're at with God. You know the things that keep on popping in your head or popping in your life that you just can't get past. You know the secrets that if they came out to light, you would be devastated. You know the choices that continue to hurt you and hurt your family, hurt the people you love. You know how far you actually are from God. And here's the thing. If, if Paul ended here, if Paul decided to stop here, we're hopeless. We're, there's nothing to look forward to. We are defeated. But praise be to God, because he doesn't stop there. Yes, we are the walking dead and we deserve all the wrath that comes from that. But there's something more. In verse 4, he says this. He says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. 
Even when we were dead in our transgressions, in our sin, in our bad moral choices, and by his grace we are saved. And this morning that gets me excited because it's not the end of the story. And this is the part of being a follower of Jesus that gets me revved up and gets me excited because I understand the grace that I personally need in my life. Because I am dead, but God makes me alive. And if you are a follower of Jesus, that should get you excited. That should get you pumped up. Because I believe within this verse, the words, but God, define who we are in our faith. Because we were broken, but God brings us healing. We continue to struggle, but God is there to forgive us. We fail as parents, we fail as teenagers, we fail as co-workers, neighbors, uh, grandparents, uncles and aunts. We fail at, at things time and time again, but God helps us become something better. We are addicted, but God breaks the chains. We are hopeless, but God brings us hope to move on. And this is the good news of the gospel. This is the thing that gets me excited. This is the thing that when I talk to a teenager and adult for the first time about Jesus and I see it light up and they find their God moment that I get so excited for them because I know the freedom that comes from the cross and the, what it means to be feeling like you're alive because of Jesus. Because we were dead but God. And here's the thing, no matter where you're at this morning, no matter where, what you're wrestling with, what you're struggling with, God is pursuing you in this moment. He is pursuing you with his love and his mercy, regardless of how far you're running and how much you don't want to hear the message. He's pursuing you with his love, his mercy, and his grace, no matter if you feel you're dead, done, and defeated. No matter where you're at, no matter what your life circumstances, no matter how big the sin may look, but God will find a way. That gets me excited. As a follower of Jesus, as a person that is truly dead, but God makes me alive. What is your but God moment? Some of you can think of one, the moment that you realize he is your savior, like you can remember it like it was yesterday. For some of you, you haven't had that moment yet. Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the moment that you say, you know, I am, I've, I've, done it, I've tried to do this church thing, but it's time for me to set aside and truly embrace forgiveness. And if that is you this morning, I'd love to talk with you after church. I'd love to, to walk you through the next steps of, of what's to come. For some of us, it's just a rejoice reminder. And, and we all need that reminder sometimes of how, how far we've come from where we were at. And I think that is great. And I think that's, that's, that's a part of the reminder of Paul to say, hey, yeah, we were gone, we were, we were dead, we were defeated, but God gave us this life. And then Paul continues this, this reminding in verse 8. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's, it's not from yourself, it's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul's saying that this Jesus movement has nothing and never had anything to do with what you can do, 
the effort you can gain, the money you can give. It's got nothing to do with you. And that's the difference between Christianity and every other world religion. Every other world religion says that you have to do the thing. You have to be the one to take care of it. You have to be the one who has to earn your forgiveness. But God, Jesus says, no, I'm taking the punishment. I'm giving you a gift. It's called grace. But sometimes we make things about us that really is not supposed to be. My wife, Jacqueline, and I have a five-year-old. His name is Liam. And if you've ever seen the, the really tiny one that runs around very loudly after church, that's him. Um, now, Liam's an awesome kid. We love him. He, he, he makes me light up. He, he, he gave me this card before I started first service, and it's a nice envelope, and it's sealed, and inside is a piece of paper. He drew a, a hockey ice, you know, so he likes to play hockey, and he wants to play baseball, so he drives me the, draws me the fields, and he goes, here you go, because he loves sports. So he played baseball uh, for a, a coach pitch, t-ball pitch this year, and he had a lot of fun and, and cool see him hit the ball and, and, and try to throw the first and all those fun things that come with t-ball. Um, but we noticed about one or two games in that Liam was playing a game in his head that wasn't matching what was going on on the field. I mean, he got up to bat, he swung the bat, and, and, and he's sliding into every base. Um, and at one point, he's on the field, and he's, he's pretending he's diving even though the ball wasn't even thrown yet. And my, my wife's favorite is when he takes the dirt and he just pours it on his head. And because and his favorite player in, at Indians is Jason Kipnis, and his nickname is the Dirt Bag because he gets dirty while sliding. Well, he has to get dirty. But it's funny sitting there and watch him do that because the game that he's playing in his mind is about Liam about Liam winning the game, about his team, you know, doing the great things. And that's what five-year-olds do. Five-year-olds make everything about them. And if we're really honest with ourselves, there's not much difference between a five-year-old and us. As humans, we take, this, take these great things, these great moments, and we always morph them to be, make us the focal point all the time. And even in things that we have no business you know, trying to make by, by, about ourselves. And this happens in our faith constantly. It happens when it, we have this encounter with God or, or, or trying to have an encounter with God because we have all these I and me statements. I can't follow Jesus because I have all this junk and I can't get past my past and I have a hard time with, with looking people in the eye about the things that I've done. I can't serve because I'm too busy. I have so much stuff to do at home. I'm always busy at work. I'm always busy in my neighborhood. How can I serve anywhere? I don't know the Bible. What if someone asks me a question about the faith that I don't know and how am I supposed to answer them? And then there's my sin. I can't battle my sin. I got all kinds of stuff going on. I can't trust Jesus. And all these I, 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 and me, me, me statements, and that is the ride we are on. That we get in our head and our heart that this has something to do with us. And the truth is, it's never been about us. It's always been about him. And Paul even says if, if, if grace could be about us, we'd definitely make us the focal point of grace. 
God's love and his forgiveness and his mercy are completely unearned. It's completely a gift. It's completely about him. And maybe for you this morning, it's time to to stop making it about you, embracing this gift of grace so that you can come alive. Maybe some of you this morning, you've been there, you, 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 you understand it's not about you. And you're excited that, that you have the strong faith and you love being a part of church and you love being a part of, of what we do. And, and, and you have this moment where you're dead but God and you're alive and you're so excited and then you start to wait. Because you come alive and, and then you just kind of, hey, heaven's coming. And maybe that's you. One of my favorite books to read to my son and to myself really is, is Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And I, I love that because there's a lot of truth, but there's a part of the, the book that talks about the most useless of place, the waiting place. The waiting place for people just waiting. Waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or mail to come or rain to go or a phone to ring or snow to snow or waiting for a yes or a no. Waiting for hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting, waiting for fish to bite, waiting for wind to fly a kite, waiting around for Friday night, waiting perhaps for your Uncle Jake, a pop to boil or a better break, a string of pearls, a pair of pants, a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting, and Dr. Seuss and Paul says pretty well, that's not what you're meant to do. Waiting is useless. And that's what Paul's telling us. That when you start to follow Jesus, you have this amazing but God moment and you're not meant just to wait off the clock to heaven. That's, when, that's not what it's about. There's something so much more. In fact, verse 10, which I love this verse. If you go home and take your Bible out and mark it or, or, or write it in your phone, that it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which God has prepared in advance for us to do. What Paul's saying is, You were wired to do something special. You were wired to do great things. Here's the truth about David Ivey. I'm not handy. Um, I tried to do, like, the molding in my son's nursery before he was born, and that failed miserably. Um, I'm not an artist. My hands are usually made for destruction, uh, which I'm quite good at. But I'm not, an, I'm not, I'm not an art, I don't do things, I don't create things. I see people who make stuff with wood and I just stand in awe because if it was me, the block of wood would just be like shreds. But people can make beautiful things out of it. People can, can do a wonderful, amazing things that God has given them this gift and they do it so well. And Paul is saying that God has intended you to be a masterpiece. That God intends you to do something special. He he, he wants you to be a beautiful story, a beautiful poem. He wants you to be a work of art. And here's something that I know a lot of us wrestle with. We hear the the words of Paul. Throw those back up. Okay. That we were created a handiwork, a masterpiece, and we don't believe it. We don't believe it. We don't believe 
that in our circumstances, in our home, at our jobs, that we were really meant for something more. Because we know how much of a mess that we truly are. But the thing is, what Paul's trying to tell us is you are made for something so much more. Instead of just waiting for heaven to come. And, and don't get me wrong about something. I, I'm looking forward to that moment. I, I, I can't wait to meet my Savior face to face. I can't wait to have that, that, that moment where I walk into heaven again and, and see Jesus and just be in awe of him. But God has something more for us to do than just wait. But what happens to a lot of us, we have this but God moment and we're alive we start going down this path and we start thinking about a purpose, a calling, or something to do. And then something happens. We have a death in the family. We, we have someone who betrays us. We have a relationship that doesn't work out. We have finances that, that fail us. We have things that are going around in this world that try to derail who we are. And all of a sudden, we, we hit a point where we stop trusting Jesus. We start trusting that we have something to do for him. We stop trusting that we are a masterpiece, a handiwork. And because of this lack of trust, we go back to waiting. Or sometimes we go back to being dead. Because we're more comfortable in our old habits. Because there's less uncertainty in the places we're comfortable with. Because the addictions make us forget about the worry. And we find ourselves back where we started because we don't trust Jesus. But the thing about God, the thing about the cross, the thing about our but God moment is that yes, you were saved by an amazing gift of grace but you were also saved to do something great. You were made, created to have a purpose, to have a calling in your life. And even though we wrestle with with belief in it, I'm here to tell you that this is possible. This is what you're meant to do. You weren't meant to wait. You weren't meant to be dead. You were meant to thrive with purpose, with calling, and with mission. What if we started to live this? What if we started to live life of purpose? This doesn't work. With purpose, with mission, and with calling. What would that change? I think it would change your neighborhoods, your college dorm. Your, your factory floor. I think it would change your home life, your marriage, your relationship with your children. What if we started living with mission and calling in, in everything we do and, and this congregation says we're going to stand up and we're going to live with a mission? I think it changes the world because you got something to do. 
You have people to influence. You have a community to change. You have a cross to bring to people who are desperately hurting. But how do you do it? How do you go from, from holding on to grace and waiting for heaven to being alive and having a purpose? And I think we're going to spend the next couple minutes giving you some tools to help you with that. The first thing, the first tool I want to give you that, that's going to help you go from alive uh, to, to purpose is something called spiritual gifts. Now, some of you know exactly what a spiritual gift is, and if that's you, awesome. Uh, some people in here do not, and that's fine. Um, it, they are things that God has created and wired you to do uh, and wired inside of you. And, and some of the things that, we, that you can do to help you get an idea or a starting point for what, what God has wired you to do is do a spiritual gift survey. Now, spiritual gift surveys, are, there are thousands of them online, and you can, you can Google. Uh, I like this one in particular because it helps uh, give you more of a definition, and it gives you like 120 questions, take you about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to, to, to do. Uh, but it really gives you a nice breakdown of, of, of what your gifts are in a good place to start using them. And so I have a challenge to you this morning. It, the, the first challenge is, uh, this week, go ahead and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, got, has great understanding on what spiritual gifts are and, and how they can affect your life and, 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 and which ones that you may even have. You read through 1 Corinthians, Paul get, breaks down you know, what they are and you may associate with them right away. My second piece of homework is if you've never done a spiritual gifts test, try doing that. Take you about 20 minutes, like I said. Gives you an email. Kind of tells you what they are and what exactly... Um, each gift means, mine usually are shepherding, evangelism, and prophecy. Sometimes it's teaching. Um, it, but for the most part, those are the three I usually get. Like a good start. A good start to understand that God has wired it in some way and help you go from waiting to purpose. The second thing is, is this, this exercise that I learned from a guy named Marcus Buckingham. The Marcus Buckingham is very famous for writing books on strength finding and leaning into your strengths in your life. And he basically did a, a, a TED talk that kind of breaks down the difference between a, a calling and a hobby. And so he basically says, take a hobby and break it down through the sign. And we're going to throw up there. We're going to go through this here in a second. But Marcus Buckingham says, you just take, take a hobby and walk through these steps. Now for me, we'll say my hobby is church softball. And I love playing church softball. We've been playing it. I've been playing it for more than 10 years now. Um, I've been a part of the players. Man, I actually managed the team for, I think, been going on eight years since I've been managing it. And we play a doubleheader today. I'm excited for it. So what's to say my hobby is church softball? And what Marcus Buckingham says is you take this, this, this thing called sign and you break it down. He first says, the first is success. Ask yourself, do you have success doing it? Now for church softball... The answer is no. Um, I am mediocre at best. I kind of like the competition-ish, and I, I like just hanging out with the guys. So Marcus Buckingham would say, church softball is not a calling. Definitely a hobby. But for some of you, 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 you know some things you're successful at, and you're just, you are just definitely successful at it, and you enjoy doing them. So if you're successful at this hobby, the next thing to ask yourself is it instinctive? Like, 
doesn't come natural to you? Is it something that is just kind of built in? You've always kind of been good at this, or I've always been good at art, or I've always been good at music. I've always been good at talking. I've always been good at, at certain things that you just kind of naturally do. And then he asks yourself, do you like to grow in it? So you're successful, it comes natural, but, and you have this desire to pour resources and time into this hobby. And he says, if, if it's yes to all those things, and he goes, and it provides a, you know, success to a need or, or helps some, the world to become a better place, maybe it's not just a hobby. Maybe it's a calling. Maybe for some of you this morning, and you look at your hobbies and in your life, the things you do outside of work or even your work, and you break it down and, and use this little sign thing to say, maybe this is my calling. And for some of you, your job is your calling. Like I know my wife is a nurse, and I know that that's her calling in life. See, she ministers to people who are sick and hurting and never having to say the name of Jesus. But she shows Jesus' love to them in, in amazing ways. That's her calling. Maybe your job is your calling. Maybe there's something you do in the neighborhood that's your calling. Maybe you're just naturally good at, at, at something that can become a, a calling that will move you from, from waiting to purpose. The last thing I want to wrestle with is this. For some of us, if we're going to make that jump, we got to look to our past. And that's not easy for some of us. Because when we look at our past, we see a lot of darkness. We see a lot of pain. We see addiction, heartache. But you had this, this but God moment that brought you healing and restoration and forgiveness. And now God has made you an authority on the issue, whatever that may be. And maybe that's where you need to look at for your calling is your past. Because what happened is, because of the stuff you've been through, because of the things that you've, you were able to navigate and the healing that, brought, that God's grace has brought you, you can lead others from pain to God and his, and his love. You can use your experience to help others face their fears. You can use your mistakes to help bring others freedom from their current mistakes or future mistakes. You can use your past doubts to help others find belief. And here's the thing. It's hard and it's scary because when we look into our past and look into the pain, we have to be humble. Humble enough to say, hey, I've messed up in some big ways in the past. And we gotta be vulnerable. I know that's difficult. I also know that this is one of the reasons I'm in student ministry. Because in my childhood and my teenage life and my, my young adult life was riddled with this, this destruction and sadness and brokenness uh, because of abuse. And, and I've, had, I've had all these awesome opportunities to sit down with students and say, you know what? Yeah, that hurts. And that hurts bad. 
and it, it, it's, it really destroys who you are. But the thing is, there's this God is going to make you whole, and he's going to make, make you do good things, great things for his kingdom, and all that stuff, and the mold that your family tried to put you in, you're going to break that mold, and you're going you're to bring so many people to the cross and have that, that healing that comes from it. Maybe that is where God is going to put your calling in. It's somewhere in your past that you can say, hey, you know what, I've been there. I know how it feels. I know what's going on, and I know what will bring you healing. All these things are great. Looking to your past, using the signs, spiritual gifts tests. But like I tell our students all the time, there has to be action. You have to do something. And that's where I want to challenge you this morning. To do something about this. Don't allow life to pull you back to being a walking dead. Do something that's going to help you figure out your purpose, your mission, and your calling so you're not just waiting the clock out. Because we were walking dead but God, and now we are alive. Where are you at today? What are you wrestling with this morning? For some of you, you, it's time to say yes to Jesus. You've allowed the, the life to kind of walk through in, in this dead without aim or purpose, and maybe it's time to say yes, and you're having your but God moment in this time. If that's you, like I said earlier, I'd love to talk to you. For some of you, 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 you've come alive with God. You understand his grace. But for what, one reason or another, you've been holding on. You've been kind of waiting off the clock. And maybe it's time to figure out your calling. Maybe it's time to do a spiritual gifts test or uh, start jumping into a service place here at Polaris or, or somewhere in the neighborhood, looking to your past for where to, or how you're going um, to, to use that for God's glory. And maybe that's your moment today to stop waiting for heaven and start doing something powerful now. Because God's wired you to be a masterpiece. The band's going to come back up. We're going to do one more song. Um, Andy, can you throw up Ephesians 10 for me real quick? I'll just read it. Ephesians 10. For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. If you hear nothing I say this morning, hear this. You can't do this without Jesus. If you keep on trying to do life alone, to, to get past your heartache, your pain, to find healing in something other than Jesus, you are going to constantly be disappointed. That, that it was only through him, through Christ alone, that we will find the strength and the healing that will give us this but God moment to live our lives to the fullest and give us purpose. It's through him and through him alone. Let's pray. God, thank you for Paul and his writings. and Thank you for given us the reminder of where we've been and, and where we are with you and where you want us to go. And I ask you to give us the, the, the grace and the mercy that you can constantly pursue us with. And give us the courage to, to find out where our calling's at. 
so that we can live and be alive and live to the fullest. So in your name we pray. Amen.